Chapter 12. Corporate foundations are sinking into the digital swamp. The digital war takes many forms. Some of it is head-on and quite blatant, but much of it is invisible and quite insidious. A war is a dynamic and flexing, almost living thing, which flows and ebbs across a rapidly changing battlefield. It is the same with digital strategy and the violent engagements that emerge. The key battlefield today is that of consumer pricing versus value delivered, hence devolution or digital evolution, which means that in the long term, it's about the firm's ability to produce excellent value at a very competitive unit cost. The unit cost position of the firm is one of the most important bases for this contest. The strategic framework that drives us, as in all non-diversified industries, is the mechanism of the cost curve. All industries have one, and it is a powerful tool for determining strategic outcomes. The curve positions all operators from lowest to highest cost players and adds each of the individual share of the market or total installed capacity. Somewhere between the two sits the average selling price between the highest cost and the lowest cost. The lowest cost player obviously earns the highest margin, while the highest cost player has the lowest and or the highest loss. The latter player is invariably the one that goes bust first. So in these types of industries, all players are striving to lower the operating cost per unit as fast as possible, while also increasing capacity to both increase the share of the market, but also through scale benefits to lower costs even further. And remember, if you increase your capacity, you push the highest cost player even further out until finally there's no market demand for that capacity at that cost. And these are the forces that are at play in the oil industry in particular. Consider any industry where everyone is lowering costs and increasing capacity simultaneously. Ergo my oil example. It's a strategic hell with a race to the bottom. Yet that is the reality of many industries today and why capital investments to drive lower cost is key. Because as costs drive, high-cost players need to either exit the market or sell out to other players. And this is why consolidation occurs so fast. This is the reason that assets turn into liabilities rapidly in this war of attrition. Being the largest infrastructure owner was for many years a large barrier to entry into many industries. Banks and telcos prided themselves on their physical distribution networks and technical infrastructure. Yet today, their largest digital enemies are eating their lunch with an asset light approach. Branch networks are now a strategic albatross, with a rapid move to self-service from sales and activation through to identity verification, service provisioning, and even issue resolution. Call centers are the new legacy millstone around the corporate neck. This from being pride of place a few years back. Remember those quotes. Our modern and state-of-the-art 2,000-seat call center has highly trained consultants eagerly waiting to take your order or service request. This was a common refrain in financial statements. Anyone seen that lately? No, because now it's an admission of failure. A good sign of a diseased business is a large call center, unless you're a business process outsourcing player in that space, of course. Telecommunication towers, undersea cables, metropolitan fiber, spectrum, radio access networks, and towers with their security and power services were the pride of the telco industry and used to shift the strategic landscape. But today, they've become like the battleships and dreadnoughts of old. Telcos today are setting up infracos or infrastructure firms like towercos or fibercos to hold their physical assets while they dress them up for a listing or other forms of off-balance sheet financing. There's a clear realization that tying up scarce cash in rapidly aging fixed assets or assets that provide no strategic advantage 
is not a wise strategy. The pandemic has exposed this challenge even more. For it is like an economic neutron bomb. This weapon was first deployed in the battlefields of Europe as a tactical nuclear warhead, a weapon that could be used in a localized theater of war, which is very unusual for nuclear war. The way that it operates is that it creates a relatively low explosive force by nuclear standards, but produces a high amount of radiation that kills most of the enemy's troops, leaving the infrastructure undamaged. In theory, your soldiers can then climb into their tanks, turn them around, and attack the enemy going back to where they came from. A weapon that removes all the people, but leaves the physical infrastructure intact. What is obvious in the pandemic is exactly this. Businesses are going bust because they are asset-heavy, so you're left with lots of assets in bankrupt firms. Airplanes, hotels, and cruise liners worth billions in terms of assets, but with all the staff gone due to retrenchment. The main reason for this is a rapid technological pace of evolution, where a new generation of tech rapidly renders the old generation obsolete. This is unlike the airline industry, where the 747 first flew in 1969, with an average lifespan of 30 years per plane, while its largest competitor, the Airbus A380, only flew in 2009. That was 40 years of competitive grace, 40 years where no plane came close to the 747. The 380 was not quite the success that we expected, but the new economic advantages of the Boeing 777-787 and the Airbus A340 and 350 meant that the last 747 will be retired for passenger travel within 10 years of the launch of their competitors. The capital costs combined with the lower cost per passenger kilometer drove the change-out decision for most operators. So the 747 in its many guises would have been in our skies for over 50 years. That's a rather leisurely rate of change and one that has been quite typical for many industries. Railway lines last for centuries, as do roads. Power distribution infrastructure could also be close to a century old, while power generation plants and railway locomotives are easily 40 to 60 years old on average. The pressure to change was low, due to the low rate of innovation bringing new crippling economics to market, and also due to the high capital cost, there were very few new market entrants. Incremental challenges were met with incremental innovation, as could be seen in the many iterations of the 747 over its 50-year lifespan. An incremental battle that was fought over decades. It's very clear that the speed of obsolescence is rapidly increasing. And this is making asset ownership very unattractive. The progression from 2G to 3G to 4G to 5G occurred roughly every five years. Or from feature phones to smartphones over three years. Or downloaded music to streaming that happened also over a three-year period. The economics for own data centers to outsource data centers to private cloud to public cloud to hybrid cloud to hyperscalable cloud move through all stages within five years. The digital battles of today with new digital economics are driving prices down to near zero as costs rapidly experience deflation. Any economist will tell you that stagflation, in other words stagnation and deflation, where both growth and inflation drop to zero or below, is one of the most serious crises for any economy. Consider the many markets today that are experiencing declining prices with low or negative growth. Telecommunications is just one. This is industry-level stagflation. This, of course, has been aggravated by the pandemic, with markets shrinking fast, while commodity prices have crashed due to rapid declines in demand. All this while operating costs are rising and shareholders are demanding increasing returns. The pressure to implement next-generation capital equipment to yield the best cost position is extremely high. Delaying investment for as long as possible to obtain the best position on the cost curve for the industry is often an incredibly powerful strategic option. All this in order to ensure that you are not the highest cost producer 
in your industry. The telco industry is a classic example of this dilemma. Many telecommunication firms got themselves into huge trouble by adopting TDMA or WiMAX technology, while the rest of the industry moved to CDMA or LTE 4G, thus ending up in a strategic dead end. This is the classic Sony Betamax versus VHS debate, for those who are old enough to remember that. The challenge is the pace of deflation and the fact that not only are costs and prices getting to zero, but in some cases the prices are negative, that is, it's given to you free with an incentive to adopt it. This is going to accelerate and the pandemic conditions. Open this free bank account today and get one gigabyte free is not an unusual ad. The focus being on spreading out the customer acquisition cost over the lifetime of the customer. This just means that getting to the bottom first is the key strategic objective of every player in this space. This gets worse when one considers the scale implications of these assets. A power station or a commercial airline is built to a rating and scaling it is very difficult. This is the exact opposite of the digital asset approach, which is more of a pay-as-you-grow approach versus the legacy approach of invest first and hope for growth. In other words, if you build it, they will come. So legacy players sit in a multi-pronged trap of assets. Firstly, it has sucked up valuable capital that could have been more strategically effective in customer-facing or go-to-market activities. Secondly, it locks in an uncompetitive cost structure due to the rapid obsolescence arising from fast evolution or disruptive change in the underlying technology. Thirdly, it takes up a huge amount of management bandwidth to assess, design, contract, deploy, and manage these assets. Fourthly, it builds in a huge amount of latency to respond to a disruptive change once the assets are already committed. Finally, owning assets locks in certain architectures and constraints for the future evolution of the business and its agility and possible services deployed. This is one of the challenges with taking a purely financial view on the business. Fixed assets, in a sense, are on the incorrect side of the balance sheet. They are, in fact, liabilities, strategically speaking, that is. This partially explains why many firms are in the digital quagmire. They are led by individuals with deep finance skills, locked into an accounting mindset in a world that is moving with a radically different and far more successful approach. These scale effects have another consequence. Economies of scale, economies of scope, and the learning curve are all aimed at one outcome. Driving costs down as fast as possible. There can only be one possible outcome from this. Massive consolidation of players, leading to a huge level of concentration and dominance. The digital oligopolies, or near monopolies, prove that that segment of the industry has got there first. Facebook is number one. Who's number two? Amazon is number one. Who's number two? Twitter is number one. Who is number two? LinkedIn is number one. Is there a number two player in that industry? Google is number one. And who is number two? Excluding China, there is no competitor equivalent to the players I just mentioned. One could continue for a few dozen sectors and the answer is always the same. There's no real number two. This is awesome industry dominance and is a function of scale economics driving consolidation. A further factor that is rather powerful is customer preference and the network effect. We prefer a destination or go-to location. We have preferences, and once we start a habit, it becomes our way, especially in two-sided markets, like malls, for example, or flea markets. Once all of our friends, merchants, professional contacts, photos, etc. are in one location, there's a very high switching cost to moving elsewhere. Scale is strategic in a market where the winner takes all, and there can only be one. The requirement to grow fast is huge. In order to ensure that nobody follows you, 
to ensure that you get to ubiquity fast. Even if you burn vast sums of money in the progress, you get it all back once you get to critical mass in steady state anyway. What aids the digital beast is the fact that they are global players. Unlike many of the incumbent players and competitors, many of whom are purely national or at best regional, we're starting to see several of the digital giants get to steady state now, meaning cash generative. This means that their digital attacks become more sustainable, varied, and multi-sectoral. This is a serious challenge for incumbents, who can only watch in awe as their global competitors grow in size, capability, and strategic intent, while they are engaged in never-ending fracas with their local peers and also internally with internal battles over turf. Lions love attacking antelope while they are engaged in challenges with each other for territorial or breeding rights. It is, in fact, the same in business. Thank you for joining us on Chapter 12. Join us for Chapter 13, the title of which is Too Big to Regulate.